You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. So whenever I hear this psalm, uh, Psalm 29, actually I'm going to read to you a section of again, refresh your memories with it a little. Um, just a section. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is a powerful voice. The voice of the Lord is a voice of splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedar trees. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf in Mount Hermon, like a young wild ox. The picture that the psalmist is painting here of the Lord's glory is that of a storm over the waters. This, I think of a thunderstorm uh, over the waters of a giant body of water, the ocean or a great lake or something like that. And the Lord is, uh, the psalmist, excuse me, is using this, this image as a metaphor for the Lord's glory and, and how you can experience it. Is it off? It fell off. Oh, it fell off. Look at that. Excuse me. Look at that. Oh no, I took it off. When we were well, it gets knocked off when we're sharing the piece, so I take it off so it doesn't get broken. <laughs> that explains why it was rustling so much. That was in my pocket. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, this 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 picture is of that the psalmist is using is of this storm and how the flashes of lightning are like revelations of God's glory, and how the thunder is like the sound of the Lord's voice, and it's this beautiful. Uh, poetic image that he's, he's grappling into. Whenever I read this psalm, I think of two experiences in my life. One of them was uh, I got the blessing of hearing um, Pastor Patrick Henry Reardon uh, do a Bible study on, on this at a society retreat. And um, Patrick Henry Reardon is no slouch when it comes to the scriptures. He actually has the book of Psalms memorized in four languages. Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and English. <laughs> And so, when he le- he led an hour and a half Bible study on this psalm, and he never got to the end of it. It's just it was it was this glorious moment. And if you ever meet him, uh, Patrick Rudin has this booming bass voice. I mean, one of those true bass voices, like when he just says hello to you, you feel the corners of the room kind of rumble a little. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, you've got, to hear this, you've got to hear this in the Hebrew, where the word glory is kavod, the kavod of the Lord. And, and when he would say it, you could almost feel the rumble of the thunder, like is the image here. That, so you can see why the, why the psalmist cottoned on to that word as, as a great one to express the Lord's glory. Um, and then, so that was one thing I'm reminded of. The other thing was when I was in Scouts and wasn't particularly smart at like roughly age 14 or something. Lisa's looking at me like I'm not very smart right now. Uh, <laughs> we were, uh, yeah, our wives know us. <laughs> There's no putting one over on them. Um, 
the, uh, we, we were out and we were on the middle of a 30-mile of a hike and so we, we were bivouacked for, after a first night's hiking at this lake in the middle of the Appalachians. We were down in this really deep valley and we could hear the storm coming before we could see it because the mountains were so high up around us. We're down in this dell, in this valley. And you could hear it and suddenly the, the sky starts getting black behind the mountains and, and just almost like all at once the sun's shining over us and you can see the dark black clouds up behind the mountains and then suddenly they basically poured over the mountain the storm just reached that place where it pours over the mountain and comes sweeping across the lake towards us and stupid me I think inspired by that scene in Huck Finn where he's watching the, the uh the storm out on the river. I stayed out at the end of the dock to watch the, the, the storm transpire and and it was amazing. It got so black. It was almost like it was nighttime. And then there'd be these flashes of lightning where everything would suddenly stand out in bright relief. And you it really helps me understand this psalm, how he sees the lightning as a flash of God's revelation. The Lord's voice reveals things to us all in a flash that would otherwise be hidden. And it also gave to me an understanding of this, uh, this my favorite line in the psalm is where he says, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Um, I'm, from, I'm from down near Lancaster County, and I don't know if you've ever gotten the chance to see a, a calf skip. Calves are not the most coordinating animals in the world. They're not graceful. It's not like watching a deer run. When a calf goes running across the field, it's kind of all floppy like this. You know? <laughs> but that's the way the trees look. When the, when, the, when the lightning flashes and the storm winds are blowing them around, they're crazy. They're all over the place like this. And I have this, this is what the Lord's voice does. The splendor, the glory of the Lord's voice just makes chaos of the things that we expect and order and make just reveals things to us all in a flash that we would otherwise be hidden. And so this is a beautiful image in the storms. This is a beautiful image of the storm as, as a picture of that. Well, that voice of the Lord in all its glory is revealed not in a storm in today's gospel reading, but over not the waters of the ocean or a lake, but over the waters of the river Jordan. As his son rises from those waters in baptism and is praying, the Lord speaks and says, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. A flash, in a flash, we see revealed to us who Jesus really is. It's also the first time we have a true picture of the Trinity as the voice of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit there all at one time. And what is amazing about it is what it reveals to us about who Jesus is and what his mission is. Because all the others entering the waters of the Jordan are entering them in repentance. They're entering because they have come to the conviction under the preaching of John the Baptist that they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus does not enter the waters in that way. Jesus knows no sin. But he enters the waters in tremendous humility. And we see for the first time in Scripture Jesus taking the place reserved for a sinful humanity. But not for the last time. We see him doing this so, so clearly. This pattern where he will take the place of a sinful humanity which will finally culminate in the cross. 
and the humility he expresses in entering waters reserved for sinners will come to its full fruition as he empties himself of all the power and privileges of Godhead and tastes death for ourselves on our behalf. As 2 Corinthians says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for our sakes. The humility of Christ is his glory. And that glorious voice of the Lord names him beloved son with whom he is well pleased. And when we hear this story, Christians should be attentive for it reveals most clearly who Christ is. But we must also be attentive because we don't want to misread the story. Throughout time, Christians have often read the story and seen Jesus' baptism as a model for our own. In fact, that was the genesis of one of the most, well, I say greatest, in kind of like it's a bad way, one of the largest heresies that nearly destroyed the church came from reflection on just this section of Scripture. It was called Arianism, and it nearly destroyed the church in the 4th century the Nicene Creed was largely composed in order to refute the heresy, the heresy of Arianism so we, the church didn't fall into it again. Because if you believe you're baptized like Christ, what you believe is that you're entering the waters essentially sinless. That you're entering those waters and trying to gain God's favor so he'll say to you too, oh, you're my child, I'm with, with you, I'm well pleased. And you end up in what all good Protestants call works righteousness. That's not how we're baptized. We're not baptized like Christ, without sin, for the sake of the salvation of the world. We are baptized into Christ, which is what our Romans passage focuses on. In this wonderful, wonderful line here, we were buried, therefore, by baptism with Him, that is, with Christ, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We're connected with Jesus Christ at precisely the moment of His greatest humility, His greatest humiliation in His death so that his death can take the place of our death, just as his righteousness must take the place of our unrighteousness. Jesus Christ, in his great humility, dies for our sins and we're connected with him at precisely that moment that we might walk in newness of life. And what does that newness look like? Well, that's probably a topic for a whole other sermon, if not a whole sermon series. But at least what it looks like is it's the opposite of the old life. It's leaving behind the old life. In the old life, the life under the curse brought upon us by our first parents, when we've eaten of the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, means we have to decide for ourselves all the time or we take it upon ourselves to decide what's right and what's wrong. 
And it's Christians doing that over time that makes a mess of things. It's why we don't live the kind of life we've been redeemed to live. Newness of life means that when you receive Jesus as Savior, you also receive Him as Lord. Which means that you say, okay, Jesus, whatever you say is sin, I say is sin. And whatever you say is righteousness, I say is righteousness. Even when I don't live that out. Even when I sin, I admit that He's right when He says is sin. And what He says is righteousness. I agree with Him because He is my Lord as well as my Savior. When we are baptized, that's the life we're called to. But we can't see it. We can't see the Lordship of Christ over this world in this life any more than we can see the eternal life for which we've been united with Him in baptism. So we have to receive it in faith. That's why the final line of our passage from Romans today says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must consider yourself, think about yourself that way. As Paul says elsewhere in Romans in the 12th chapter, we have to have our minds renewed again and again and again so we don't get conformed to the pattern of this world. So we come here, which is the one place in worship of the living God where His Word and His promises are held up for us again and again and again. It's the one place where the promises, can, we can remind each other of them as we talk to each other, as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the place where we receive His promises first in the waters of baptism and then we receive Him Himself in the table at Holy Communion as He blesses and sustains us for our earthly pilgrimage. This is what it means to be baptized into Christ. This is what we're baptized into Christ for, for that newness of life. Because we constantly forget. We constantly need to consider ourselves that way because we're drawn away from the worship of the living God and from calling Him Lord over our lives. At our house, we have, we're just coming out of the Christmas season, just getting some, still getting some of our Christmas decorations done. Are we done? We're just about done. And uh, you notice I had to look at her to ask whether those were done. <laughs> um, but in the Christmas season, we have lots of rituals. Do you guys have rituals in your family? That, something you do the same every year kind of thing? Well, one of ours is to watch A Christmas Carol. Um, and my favorite version, which is the one we always pull up, is the uh, George C. Scott version from the 80s. Horrible special effects, phenomenal acting. <laughs> and um, just wonderful. But one of the saddest scenes for me is when the ghost of Christmas past takes Ebenezer Scrooge back to the time when he's an apprentice. And he has to watch a Christmas Eve where um, he was courting the girl to whom he got engaged. And he has to see her and watch them have their first kiss. And as the, when the festivities of the evening are over, the two apprentices, Ebenezer and whoever the other guy's name is, they're, they're sitting in bed together and talking in, in the bunk beds. And the one says to him, he says, Boy, this was, this was an evening never to be forgotten. And Ebenezer Scrooge, that kind of dazed look that guys always have when they've fallen in love, says, Never, not ever. 
And then the ghost of Christmas past cuts in and says, but you did forget. Often. And in the next scene, he has to watch his fiancée break up with him because the love of gold has replaced his love for her as the first thing in his heart. In the same way, the first love of our hearts, our love of God gets replaced constantly. And so we need to come back here and be reminded by His Word and His sacrament that His promises are true so we can consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, Your promises are faithful and true. We thank You that we can come to this place where they are upheld for us, where Your Word becomes visible among us, this sacrament, where it is preached among us, where it is spoken in the halls. And Lord, we ask that You would help us to consider ourselves dead to sin. Help us walk in that newness of life for which we were redeemed because You are our Lord and we know that Your ways are higher than our ways. We pray, O Lord, that You would give us the power to do this thing which we cannot do in our own strength. And when we fail, to come back here and again and again hear of the forgiveness of our sins that will restore us to try again to walk as Your faithful people. We ask all these things in Your name, which is forever, Jesus the Christ, for You live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the Sleeping, my presence, my life.